So, and it's pronounced Meekum? Mm -hmm. Meekum, and it's Lindsay with an E. Mm -hmm. Right, okay. Hello, and welcome to another episode of My Wax Museum. Today, I'm joined by my friend, Lindsay Meekum. Lindsay tells me about her desire to see the world, keeping in touch with family and loved ones, living at a distance, growing up in rural Idaho, and especially what it's like to be a big sister. Remember, after listening to today's show, or even before, take five minutes out of your day today just to listen to somebody around you. I guarantee it'll change your life. Lindsay Meekum, welcome to My Wax Museum. Thanks, it's good to be here. It's uh, good to have you. So, uh, we're going to start with how we know each other. So, if you... If you have a story of how we know each other, I just feel like we kind of just know each other. Yeah, so I met you when I was moving in, I think, or a few days after we were moving in, because you came up to see Kaylee, my roommate, who's mm. your cousin. Mm-hmm. There's a fun story there. I don't know if you want to go into that. Well, we don't need to. I'll interview <laughs> Kaylee sometime and we'll jump in. All right, there you go. And so we just kind of became friends through her, got mm-hmm. to know each other, and yeah been fun it's easy to make friends with people that you live in like the same complex you know you're right there right um so yeah so that's how we know each other where are you from where starting with where were you born where was i born yeah so i was born in blackfoot idaho okay and then i moved uh 15 minutes outside of of blackfoot to a small town called pingree and most of the time when people think of like Idaho, they think of the generic like potato fields everywhere, hardly any people. Mm-hmm. That literally describes my hometown. My house is in the middle of a bunch of potato fields. Really? And it's kind of fun, but also really sucks sometimes. Are you guys potato farmers? <laughs> no. You just live in the middle of the field? Yep, pretty much. <laughs> That's awesome. So so Pingree is, mm-hmm. is just kind of a normal Idaho town. Pretty much. Okay. And was there was there anything interesting there or... I don't know, anything curious about Pingree? <laughs> so to give you a, a demographic, Pingree covers about 50 miles, 50 square miles. Okay. Land. There's about 400 people that live in there, in that, mm-hmm. and that makes the whole, up the whole town. The only distinguishing factors is the Pingree store, the post office, and a closed elementary school. A closed elementary school. Yeah, it's closed. And a Pingree church and a Catholic church. That's it. Wow. The rest is just houses and fields. Sounds like a great place. (laughs) It's one of those places that you'd just be driving down the highway and you'd see something like a cute little building and that's it. Yeah, yeah. And you might not, you might just think it's a collection of homes. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Did you, did you enjoy living there? I enjoyed it as a kid. Yeah. I grew up on a large property with a large yard. I got to run around and play all day as a kid. And then my family, we love traveling, so mm. I didn't spend all of my childhood stuck in this little nowhere. Yeah. So throughout the course of my life, I've been to 40 states, and the goal is to get to all 50 by the time I'm 30. That's awesome. That's awesome. Do you have a favorite state so far? I love California and Hawaii. They're my okay. favorites by far. Okay. And so, okay, which are the 10 that you're missing? <laughs> the 10 that I'm missing? Yeah. I'm missing Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, um, and Illinois. I'm missing Alabama, Alaska, and gosh, I'm forgetting all of them now. Louisiana, Oklahoma, Nebraska. No, I've been in Nebraska. 
Uh, mostly the southern states are the ones yeah. that are missing with Alaska in there. So it's a big, ch- most of it I've been to. That's awesome. That's awesome. And most of those southern states, you could almost do all that in one big trip. Oh, yeah, easily. Right? Easily. I'd do that in the winter, though. It's a little <laughs> hot for my taste. Oh, yeah. Well, my sister, she just got her mission call to go down to Louisiana. So really? So we'll probably go down there and see her and see my mission, and we'll make a big trip out of the south. That's awesome. Yeah. We're going to get more into your mission as we kind of go more through your life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm curious, visiting all of these states, because you're still young, mm-hmm. was that just like the family thing? Like you guys went to these places or is it just kind of happened that you went to these places? So there's a fun story there. So when I was a kid, my dad created his own business mm-hmm. with doing HVAC and controls and he was partnered with Honeywell to work on temples and churches around the world. And so all of the vacations that we've been on have been work-related. Working on churches, working on temples, and if they're stateside, then my dad will be like, hey, we haven't been to this state. We should all go and have fun. And so it was a way for us to get to spend time with my dad because he was gone a lot when I was a kid, and also for us to bond with each other and to have fun experiences away from Idaho. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, so it's it's largely family oriented with a little bit of work in there as well. Oh yeah. Um, you mentioned around the world. So have you been to other countries at all? I haven't. But my dad. Your has. dad has. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. Do you have any countries you'd like to visit? I really, really want to go to England so bad. That really. Is, I want to go to Europe. That is the main place I want to go to. I'd love to go see South Africa and other parts of Africa and Australia. China would be interesting. Other than that, the countries they kind of intimidate me a little bit. Really? So I'd have to warm up to them, but yeah. I'd love to travel and go see the world. That'd be awesome. So, okay, tell me, um, you mentioned England first. Mm-hmm. Is this a dream you've had for a long time, or is this a recent thing and why? So it's been a dream for a while. Um, my grandma, or my oma as I call her, her family is from England, mm-hmm. very closely from England. She is actually from New Zealand, so I want to go there too. Um, but my, I have some cousins in England that I in, distantly that I want to go meet and do some family work. And I just always love the history there with the cult and how it relates with our, with American history. So that is really cool because I guess I mean that's ultimately where you know mm-hmm. we came from, right? Is England exactly. and Europe, right? Uh, a lot of us here. And, uh, and so that's cool that you feel that connection. Um, so growing up and, and kind of learning and developing as a person, what are some ways that you started to develop that interest in your family, both your parents and your siblings, as well as extended outwards? With your, with your family in particular, how do you grow to have that interest in your family in general? In general. So my family, my mom's side especially, is very interesting. Her parents are, my mom is a first-generation American. Hmm. Her father is from Germany. He lived in Germany outside of Berlin during World War II. And so he can actually remember as a preschooler having to stand in parade and wave to Hitler. Wow. And so his life has been very interesting to me. And my Oma, also very interesting, she's from New Zealand, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. and they're both converts to the church. They both came to America because of the church, and their family stories are 
very interesting, some very tragic, but very unique. Whereas my dad's side of the family, like my dad is a full-on Idaho boy, born and raised, multi-generational, pioneers way back in the 1800s. And so I'm closer more so like relationship-wise with my dad's side of the family because they're closer. Hmm. Whereas my mom's side of the family, all of her siblings live in different states. So that's a part of the reason why we travel so much is family. Right. To see them. And so it's it's been fun to experience diff- both sides. Like sometimes it's like you're the one family that is away from everybody else. It seems like with most most people, most families. But with mine, I get to experience having both uh, the close family as well as the distant family. Right, right. And so how do you how do you maintain relationships with a more distant family, with a more spread out family? So it actually took a while. My um, one uncle. I didn't meet until I was 12 years old, simply because he couldn't afford to meet with meet us, and we couldn't afford to go down to meet him. Hmm. And so I knew of him, but I never met him. And it wasn't until I was about 12 years old that we started to do more things with my mom's side of the family, where we started to meet up every other year for Christmas or the summer, and actually get to know each other. Because up until then, like we'd occasionally visit, maybe once every five or so years. And so my mom maintained a close relationship through phone calls and keeping in contact with her siblings, hmm. whereas I would mostly just hear about them until until recently. Hmm. That's that's interesting. Um, I mean, modern technology is amazing that you know that you can call, mm-hmm. right? That you can have that connection with people so far away. Um, that and that, that's awesome. Um, what are some ways maybe that your uh, that your parents set an example of kind of that interest in family? Mm-hmm. I think a large part of it comes from the fact that my dad's family is very close. Mm-hmm. Um, all but two of his siblings live within five miles of us. Wow. And so we like would meet up every Sunday, have Sunday dinner, like hang out, watch movies, do do family things on Sunday all right. together at my grandparents' house with, like, 30-plus people together. <laughs> it was a party every yeah, Sunday. that's a big party. <laughs> it was a fun party. And so it family has always been a, a big part of my life. It's always been constant. Uh, it's always been been there. And so it's something that I look forward to having with my own family is that, that closeness and that continuity. And right. being able to have my children be like, okay, if I can't go to my parents, I can go to my aunts or my uncles or right. something like that. Okay. And now you strike me from our previous conversations, you strike me as someone who has pretty good relationships with your siblings. Are you the oldest? I am. And so, okay, being the oldest of how many? Uh, Six children. Of six kids. Okay, so being the oldest of six kids, what has that experience been like? Like, I don't know, making friends with your siblings, making enemies with your siblings, maybe, right? What what has your experience been like growing up with them? Oh, gosh, that's a lot. So my sisters were all two years apart. Mm-hmm. So we grew up very close. And when you're that close, it leads to you being either very good friends, which we can be at times. And it can also lead to us not getting along as much because we have spent so much time together that we're too similar. Mm-hmm. So, for example, my sister, Tamani, she's up here. This is her second semester. And she has, she and I cannot live together. 
it's better for everyone if we decided that it would be better for everyone if we did not live together, if we didn't share a room. Really? Simply because we are so similar that we drive each other crazy. And either I will be bossing her around and acting like her big sister, or she'll be trying to boss me around and being like, you're being my mom, back off, kind of relationship. And so it, because I've been the oldest, I very much mother my younger siblings. I've always been the one that looked after them and taking care of them. So the relationship has always been that my siblings can rely on me and I'm their prime example of everything. Hmm. So they look up to me, they love me, they respect me, and I am their friend at times, but sometimes they would rather not spend time with me just because I'm that big sister. You're the boss. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so so you talk about them looking up to you. Do, you. do you feel like a large sense of responsibility to make sure that they can look up to you? There's always been that pressure in my life. Yeah. My, my dad was always gone. When I was a kid, he'd be gone five days out of the week. And my mom would struggle with six kids by herself, Mm -hmm. which is normal. And so she would rely on me to help keep order in the house. Right. And so I was taking that that position of being the leader, being the rule setter, being the one that made sure my siblings were doing what they needed to do before they got caught and actually got in trouble. Mm -hmm. So that was my role. That was my position in the family. Right. To kind of guard it from getting to mom just like keep it all under control and mom won't have to know let me deal with it so mom doesn't have to and yeah. have that stress her out yeah mm-hmm. and what like what did that pressure feel like for you sometimes that pressure would feel like i had the weight of the world on me mm-hmm. and other times it would just be a matter of like this is how life is hmm. what's what's the best lesson that you have learned from being the oldest sibling the best lesson i think of is responsibility i've Hmm. always been overly independent Mm -hmm. and most of the time when things happen in my life i will take care of them without my parents even knowing what's happened simply because i was raised that way i can deal with things myself i don't need to have somebody over my shoulder and i think that's probably one of the best things they could have done for me is giving me that independence hmm. sometimes it's a bad thing because i will just take care of everything and get myself in over my head but other times it's been something that i can rely on and it's earned me a lot of respect from a lot of people because i'm that way hmm. i mean i can definitely tell that you're a very independent person <laughs> you definitely uh, have the makings of an older sister um, myself having one of those with you with you being the oldest i'm going to ask you a question about something that you know nothing about okay. which is being the youngest what do you think it would be like if you were the youngest in your family oh gosh well i know for one i'd be spoiled rotten like oh. the youngest in my family is a little boy eight years old right So there's a lot of spoiling. There's a lot of sass involved with being the youngest. And I think there's also a lot of frustration simply because you not only have uh, one mom to deal with, you have three, you have four moms and and another brother who drives you crazy Mm -hmm. and a dad that is always harping on you. Because that's what dads do. Right. So you kind of get the best in both mm-hmm. uh, and worst of both worlds. Mm-hmm. Would you... Okay. Would you rather be the oldest or the youngest? I'd rather be the oldest. I can You'd rather be the... A lot more. Because <laughs> you're the boss. Uh-huh. 
That's awesome. That's that's interesting because um, it is a very different situation being the oldest versus being the youngest. Oh yeah, it's so different. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think the spoils would be nice, but being the boss sounds pretty nice too. It's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. So so this has taught you a lot of responsibility, a lot of uh, experience for you as as an individual. Do you have any any specific examples from when you were growing up of where you showed that responsibility, that know-how, and that experience? Yeah. So a lot of experiences come to mind. But one of the prime ones, um, when I was about eight years old, my mom started leaving me home alone to babysit for long periods of time. Mm -hmm. And so that left me in charge of my two younger sisters. And that showed a lot of trust in my, that my mom had in me that I could take care of my younger sisters, as well as that she knew that if left if she left me in charge, that I would be able to do the things that she need, knew I needed to get done. So like she would leave me tasks to get done while she was gone. Like I need we need to make sure that the house was clean, that we need to take care of the animals, that we need to like make dinner or whatever it was, and. She could trust that if we that we would get those things done, and if we needed help, we could call her. Hmm. That's awesome. Um, that's awesome that she trusted you with all of those things, because uh, that's no small task. Uh, you mentioned animals. Did you have animals on this property? Uh, just cats and dogs. Just cats and dogs. How many? What kind? Like, <laughs> tell me about them. So, I. So farming area, you got to keep in mind that there aren't a lot of fences mm -hmm. and there's a lot of vehicles that drive by and so a lot of animals got killed. I have no clue how many animals I've actually had growing up. I just know that we've had a lot of cats and a lot of dogs both together and at separate times. Mm -hmm. My favorite pet that I remember the most was a calico hmm. named Flower and she lived for about 10 years. So she she got she was a good cat. She knew what to do. She was a good mom the cat. And she was my cat. I took care of her the most. I mothered her. Like I got her when I was like five. Yeah. And she passed away when I was fifteen. So. Okay. So she's pretty important. Mm-hmm. So are you a cat person or a dog person then? I love all animals. Except all animals. for reptiles and except amphibians. For... Okay, okay. No <laughs> lizards. No. Uh, what what kind of dogs did you have? Um, let's see, I've had a few border collies, I've had labs, shepherds. Just all sorts. All sorts. Farm dogs kind of thing. Kind of, yeah. Like, they were animals that either friend, my dad's friends, like, had had a litter and they wanted needed to get rid of a dog, and so we'd get one, or um, an uncle had a, had a Dalmatian and he had a litter of mutts and he needed to get rid of them, so I got one. Hmm. Just kind of like those kind of things hmm. that'd be pretty fun just have like a revolving door of pets <laughs> it's fun but it also sucks yeah my parents have got gotten to a point where they're like no more outside animals because all they do is die did you did you have any other animals or was it just dogs and cats it was dogs and cats when i was growing up when i turned 16 my dad decided that he missed his bird so we got a parakeet really yep his name is george the second and the reason we got him is because my brother Michael 
uh, really wanted to have a, a bird. Mm-hmm. He'd heard about uh, George the First, my dad's bird, when he was a high schooler, when he was a teenager. Okay. And they really wanted to go to a pet store. My dad, Michael, really wanted to get a dog. And as soon as my dad walks in, he goes straight to the birds, and he finds a bird that looks just like George. And this bird hops straight onto his shoulder, and he's just whistling away on my dad's shoulder, letting while my dad walks around the store and. The guy was like, well, if he likes you so much, why don't you just have him? And my dad turned to my mom and started begging and pleading and <laughs> more begging. And my mom caved. <laughs> and he's been with us ever since. That's awesome. That is really cool. So how old is George II now then? How long have you had him? Um, we got him in 2016. So okay. in bird years, he's about five. Okay. Yeah. A few years old. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's really fun. Um, so growing up... You have all these experiences, responsibility, animals. That's a big responsibility. All these younger siblings. uh, There's another one for you, right? (laughs) Um, How how did that affect you kind of graduating high school and moving on into adulthood? So I guess in a large way, it made me grow up with a lot of stress and being able to deal with it. Hmm. And then graduating high school, like preparing for that, I was stressed because it was the time where I was like, okay, I'm no longer a kid. What am I going to do with my life? What do I want to do? Right. And my mom, I was talking with her about it one time, and she was like, well, do what you love. And my dad said, so that was one advice from my Mm -hmm. parent. My dad's advice was don't do what you love. Do what's going to make you happy and that you're going to be successful with and and that'll make you money so that when you want, want a hobby, you can go back to what you love. Right, right. Okay. That does nothing for me. Yeah. You're too nondescript. I need somebody to tell me what to do. Yeah. So I started praying and fasting, and I decided that I needed to go on a mission. Hmm. I needed to go to BYU, Idaho. That's why I'm here. And I needed it to, I needed to experience a few things. Hmm. And so I decided, okay, well, I love music. I can be a music teacher. I can do that with my life. And so I started that off, and right after I graduated, I right after that summer, I went up to BYUI for my first semester in 2016, hmm. and that was a lot of growing experiences for me. Yeah, tell tell me about that. Mm-hmm. So I started dating a guy and got engaged, and then I decided I was going to go on a mission that semester, and mm-hmm. so I broke off the engagement, still kept dating him, and then later broke up with him. Um, but I also got to experience a lot more independence than what I'd been used to. Like, I found that I could thrive under a lot more pressure than I normally thought I would. And I found that there is a lot of things that can stress me out, but there are ways that I can get around it Hmm. and then I can work through it. And so it was a lot of growing in my, on my part and becoming more of who I am and being able to succeed. Yeah. So, um... How, how did you work through that stress? How do you work through stress? So I found that music helps me. Being able to just take a few minutes or even an hour mm-hmm. to just go and play on the piano and de-stress because that's been something I've always done my whole life. And also being able to sit down and prioritize. Making lists and making sure that I'm doing the things that I need to be getting done in a day. And breathing. Remember to breathe. <laughs> so that's all been helpful. Yeah. So so kind of recentering, mm-hmm. I guess, like going back to your music, right? Um, so so you decided to go on a mission. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, and and then what, what was that experience like? Where did you go and what was it like for you? Yeah, so my mission was amazing. I loved it. I served in the Washington, D.C. North Mission. Okay, cool. And also in the Visitor Center. Yeah. So my mission included all of D.C. as well as Southern Maryland. Hmm. So I spent most of my mission, well, basically all of my mission in the Visitor Center every other day. And the other day that I wasn't in the Visitor Center, locked in a building, I was out proselyting and doing what other normal missionaries do, teaching the people and sharing the gospel. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. I miss it and also love it. Yeah. (laughs) That's really cool. Uh, I think D.C. would be a fascinating place. Because it, so there, there's a lot going on there. There's a lot of variety of people there, right? So what, I don't know, what was the most impactful thing about preaching mm-hmm. in Washington, D.C.? Definitely the variety of people. Mm-hmm. Because there are so many different kinds of people. I met people of many different faiths, many different backgrounds, different countries, different ethnicities. Just basically, I met a representative from every single portion part of the world, hmm. and I had to figure out what was important to them. And so I really got to understand people more, and I found a, a deep love for understanding what people are like and getting to know people. And that's why part of why I decided to become a psychology major hmm. instead of sticking with music, which was the original plan. But I found that I really, really love getting to just sit and talk with somebody and help them work through problems and to help them make sense of what's going on in their world and what what can help them to be the happiest whether it's a belief or whether it's changing a hobby or doing something just unique and different that's awesome um and that's especially cool that that you got to kind of experiment with that in an environment where you were around so many different mm-hmm. types of people, right? Uh, is, is there is there anybody that you remember who impacted you in a particular way? Oh, yeah. Um, there was one lady. She was in my first area mm-hmm. my, that, I, so, that I met her within the first week of my mission. Her name is Mandy, and she is a 50-year-old woman, and she's a life coach. Hmm. Um, in addition to that, she's a business psychologist hmm. and an avid gardener and just basically a free spirit. She is the kind of grandma that you would describe as the cool grandma, even mm-hmm. though she's never been a grandmother herself. Um, she dyes her hair purple, pink, blue, and she's, yeah, she's crazy. She has pink flamingo, like pink flamingos that you put in your lawn, the plastic lawn okay, flamingos. Yeah. yeah. And she decorates them for holidays. Like, she coordinates what they're doing. Sometimes they'll be pro- protesting because it's D.C. It's <laughs> yeah, po- politics. Course. Yeah. And sometimes they'll be dressed up with, as Santa and elves and having reindeer pulling a sleigh. Reindeer flamingos pulling a sleigh. That's it's, hilarious. It's so unique and so fun. That is amazing. <laughs> that is really cool. So what did she, uh, what, what did she teach you while you were there? So she taught me a lot about connecting with people, connecting with individuals, because that's what she does in her daily life. She really got to know us as individuals. Like she didn't just see us as missionaries or as representatives, she saw us as individuals. 
and developed a real relationship with us. Hmm. And she's done that with every every person that she meets. She's such a loving and outgoing person. And she really, even though she's still not a member, she taught me a lot of about Christ-like love and being able to understand people in different ways. I think it's so important to try and understand people in different ways, people who are different from you, mm -hmm. uh, different beliefs, different background, different lifestyle, whatever it is. And so I think that's fantastic that you were able to learn that from her. Is, is there any way that you have applied that in your life since being home? Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest ways that I've applied that is that I'm not as judgmental. Hmm. Like growing up in a small town, it's very easy to get used to your stereotype. Right. And your view of what people should be like and what is right and what's wrong. and That the rest of the world is just crazy because they don't think the same way as you. Mm -hmm. And I hate to admit, but at, that, at some point in my life, I got into that way of thinking. Hmm. Whether it was through simply culture or other things, I don't know. But being able to experience something different, like spending time with Mandy and seeing things her way and, and kind of developing that way of like looking at people has really changed my life. Because now I don't see everything as just black and white. I try to understand more of the gray, more of what this person is actually thinking, what they're doing, hmm. why they view the things this way, and accepting that it's okay to be different. It's okay to have different point of views. It's okay to not agree with me. And it, it's okay to be different. It's okay to be you. Right. So maybe, um, is there anyone that you are friends with now who you think... Two years ago, Lindsay would maybe not be interested in being friends with them. Yeah. Um, actually, a great example of this would be my roommate, Kaylee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, she and I, we both have had similar experiences in our lives. Hmm. But she is definitely the person that I would have thought was insane. <laughs> that simply by meeting her within the first five minutes, I would have been like, um, I don't want to be with you. I don't, I don't want to get to know you. You're weird. Right. I wouldn't want to be her friend. I wouldn't have wanted to be her friend. I wouldn't have even wanted to get to know her simply because she's a little different. Huh. But because I have been open-minded to, to her and, and I've become more open and accepting, like she and I are best friends. And we found that we have a lot more in common than we thought we would. Like, we were actually talking about this the other day. She thought she would never get along with me, and I thought she would never get I would never get along with her. But we're actually best friends. And so things, things are different once you take the time to not be judgmental. That's fantastic that you've been able to kind of set aside your own kind of ideas of what you called your own stereotype of growing up in this small town and kind of the way you see the world. Um... So, so now you're doing psychology, you're studying psychology at school. Mm -hmm. um, let's go back again to you were doing music major, mm -hmm. and now you're doing psychology, and you said there was a whole lot of experiences that kind of contributed to that. What's kind of the, the determining thing that switched you to psychology? I think the big one was that I wasn't happy as a music major. Mm -hmm. Like, it didn't fit me. I changed. Hmm. I no longer wanted to just be a teacher for the rest of my life or a performer. I actually wanted to have an experience where I could get to know people. Hmm. And psychology was something that w was really interesting to me. It's always been something that's been interesting. I love studying people. I love people watching and getting to know what people are like. And so it just seemed like a, a natural fit especially since on my mission, I had a lot of companions who suffered with OCD, anxiety, 
social anxiety, PTSD, um, all sorts of things that made them have to see a psychologist or see a therapist. And it was really eye-opening to see the changes that they made in their lives. And hmm. to, as their companion, I was with them 24-7, and I had to be there to listen to them and to help them. And so that really opened my eyes to a lot as I got to talk with therapists and be like, okay, when they get this way, how do I help them with this? Hmm. And finding ways that it was something very natural and easy for me to do. And so I'm still going to do music. It's still going to be part of my life. I'm probably still going to be performing. Right. But it's not going to be my career. And I think I'm a lot happier with that decision. That's awesome. Uh, I guess that kind of goes back to what your parents gave you as advice. Your, your mother saying, go out and, you know, do what you love, right? Mm -hmm. And your dad saying, well, you know, like make some money and so that you can do what you love as your hobby, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, so you're kind of doing something you enjoy, something that will make you happy and be fulfilling, uh, but you can still maintain that hobby of music, I guess, eh? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so what, what has been your experience like at school as a student then, as an adult student, not even, you know? <laughs> Um, it's been a lot of work mm -hmm. because balancing uh, being a social life and dating with making sure that your grades are where you want them to be and going to classes, working, staying busy. Like it's, it's a full workload, mm -hmm. but it's also something that I really enjoy. I probably get the most stressed when I'm not busy. Hmm. So <laughs> having, being a student is a lot of fun for me. I love learning and it's in interesting to see how different people react to it, but I, I for one, love it, and I'm okay with it. So it is the end of the semester. By the time this comes out, the semester will be over, done, uh, and we'll all be happily relaxing slash working. Mm -hmm. what, what is the most interesting thing you have learned this semester? Hmm. The most interesting thing that I've learned this semester is family dynamics. Okay, tell me about that. Okay, so my major is psychology. My minor is marriage and family therapy. So I've been studying, this semester especially has been focused towards my minor, getting some of those minor credits in. And so I've been studying about family, family therapy, family relations. And I guess one of the best things that I've learned is that every family is different. And every family has different structures that needs to be met. And that in families, you can see a history of attitudes, not just of like genetics and things like that, but also of like, okay, this trend keeps happening where the, uh, the father is absentee. The, so then the oldest child takes over in that parent's absence and becomes more of that figure. Hmm. And all the other kids resent that sibling because they're supposed to be the sibling, not the parent. Right. And that trend continues on through generation. Hmm. And you can actually see that in, in a lot of family history work. Really? So it's been interesting to study that those trends do exist hmm. and that there are ways to break those trends and make them into something that will be healthier for your family and for your future family and their families. Right. Okay. So... Um... Obviously, you're not an expert yet. No. <laughs> um, but but what are some ways you've talked about in class that people can break those trends? 
Uh, for one, it takes noticing that the trend exists. Hmm. And another, it takes being open and willing to not acting the same way. So you kind of have to have um, an, a mindset of like, I am going to change. Right. And that can be hard, especially if you're doing it by yourself. And if you're a child trying to change your parents' fam- family views, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It won't. But you can change it for your, for between you and your spouse and your children. Hmm. And that's where it's going to make the most difference. So it may take a lot of exploring and a lot of work on your part simply because you're trying to break away from how you were raised and the example that you've been given your whole life of what a family is like. Hmm. And so it may be taking maybe, for instance, like, Choosing a career or a job that will make it so that you're home more so you can spend more time with your family and your children have that connection with you rather than feeling like my dad's an absentee dad and I don't he doesn't care about me. Right. Or it could even be as simple as being like, you know, I want my family to know that I love them, not right. just expect that I love them. Right, right. And so actually being vocal about it and expressing it in ways that you never experienced. Right, right. That's interesting. It is It is really important. I've had this conversation with a few people about, you know, breaking those those mm-hmm. trends in the family, right? You don't like something your parent did, you can change it mm-hmm. for your children, right? Um, I mean, are there, are there any lessons, um, good or bad, that you've learned from your parents for how you'd like to uh, change for your children? Um, I think one of the big ones that I want to change is I want to make sure that my children do know that I love them. My parents are one of those families that never vocally expressed really that they love you. Right. Like my dad didn't tell me he loved me until I was like 14 and he was drunk. He was doped up from having to go through surgery. And so he actually, it was just him and me home alone. And I, he was in the basement and I came down because I needed something. And my dad like stood up and came over to me and in tears, was just like, Lindsay, I love you. Oh. <laughs> I'm like... I'm going to cry too. <laughs> One of those moments. And so I'm right. like, I want my kids to know that I love them and I want them to know that my husband loves them. Right. So that's going to be a big priority is making sure that my kids feel that they are loved and accepted and that they can talk with us openly. Right. And not feel like we have to show over much, over much amounts of ex- respect to our parents. Right. Because they're our parents. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Making sure that they hear that, hear that affection. That's awesome. Um, I think it's really important that, you know, you know, as great as anybody's parents are, that we look at them and think, okay, well, what can I do differently, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, the idea of the next generation is to be better than the previous in any way that we can, mm-hmm. right? Um, that, that's, that's great. So that kind of leads us into the future, your, yes. your future life. So, so tell me a little bit about how you how you see your future what where are you going where am i going well i want to finish bachelor's degree that's the immediate plan mm-hmm. and then i'm planning on moving to utah or colorado and getting my master's done prefer like my top three places i want to go to is utah state uh denver or to ucla mm-hmm. and get my master's done and then I can develop partnerships and eventually develop my own practice hmm. of psychology and being a therapist. But that's a long ways away because there's a lot of things that I have to do since I'm basically trying to become a doctor. Right. And 
in that time, I hope that I can get married and start a family, but that's still a hope. We'll see how things go with that course of life. Yeah. So for now, it's me focusing on my career, where I want to go, and what I want to do. Hmm. That's awesome. Um, we're going to kind of start wrapping it up. We've got about four minutes mm-hmm. left on the clock here. Um, and there are so many things that we've that we've talked about and not dived into, um, which you and I chat a little bit, so I'm sure I'll hear more stories from you. But kind of for the podcast, uh, let's talk about your dreams. So you, you'd like to go in, have your own practice potentially, right? Mm-hmm. Have a family, do all of these things. What else do you just think would be like super cool to, to try out, to do, to become good at? It can be anything, wildest things. Wildest Take your pick. things? Okay, I really want to get back into dancing and theater. Hmm. I really miss that so much, especially this semester. Like, it's a summer. This is when I used to do a ton of plays, ton of musicals, and I'm not doing it. And hmm. so I'm just like, I'm, I'm missing it. I'm craving it. I need to get back into it. And so that's going to be something that I'm going to be working on probably for the rest of my life is doing community theater, doing productions. And I'd love to even get into writing again. Really? Mm-hmm. That's super cool. Uh, what kind of dance? So I did ballroom, ballet, okay. and um, just social show dance. Kind right. Of um, and so I'd love to get back into that. My aunt and uncle are professional ballroom teachers. Really? Yeah, they taught ballroom in L.A. for years. And they just moved up to Blackfoot. And so I'm going to be begging them to give me lessons during the summer so I can get back into it. That's awesome. (laughs) And set me up and I'll be doing more classes, more ballroom classes here, I think, at school. That is super cool. I just took the beginners one this Mm -hmm. past semester. It was was fun. It was really, you know, like base level, right? Uh But it was a good time. Uh, And you mentioned writing as well. What kind of writing are you into? So I used to write as a hobby. I mm-hmm. used to write short stories. And it was a lot of fun letting me be creative and expressing myself. And it improved my writing abilities a lot, obviously, because I was writing. But I kind of miss creating those stories. And I feel like it would be good for me to stretch my imagination that way again. That's awesome. That is really cool. Um, one thing that always strikes me is how creative everyone is right and a lot of the time we don't hear about it a lot of people are afraid to share their creative side um but yeah i think that's fantastic you should do more writing you should do more dancing get into these things and have fun with it um and then last question and just like tell me all about it okay let's say you are you know a hundred and something Okay, you're really old. Like this is the end. Okay, this is the end for you, and uh, and and you're looking back on your life. What are you most proud of? What are your greatest accomplishments? And and just what do you look back on with love? I think the biggest one that would mean the most to me is my family. Mm -hmm. Like looking back and seeing things that I did with my family that I have now, and also being able to hopefully look at back and see things that I've done with my own family as their mother, grandmother, great-grandmother, and the example that I've been for them, like that's the biggest legacy I think I could ever leave hmm. is what I do with them and the impact I have on their lives. And of course, I'll be proud of my career, hopefully. 
that will be as successful as I want it to be. Mm-hmm. And I, I want it to be a life that's full of love and laughter and fun. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing your life with me. Thank you for sitting down. Thank you for being my friend and neighbor across mm-hmm. the parking lot. And uh, good luck on all your finals. Thanks again. Thanks. It's been fun. And thank you for listening. Not just to this show, but to the people around you. The people in your life who you might see as ordinary or regular. I guarantee you, if you take five minutes out of your day today to listen to them, to hear their story, and to let them tell it, I guarantee you, you'll maybe make a new friend, and you'll come to realize that the everyday, the normal, the just nice people in our lives are just as interesting as any celebrity or anyone else could be. So thanks again for listening, and remember to take five minutes today to listen to someone in your life. Thank you.